Hey guys, Josh here. Thanks for joining us for the special parenting series. We're talking about parenting in every stage of life from the book of Proverbs. And we hope today that'll be an encouragement to you no matter where you are in your spiritual or parenting journey. Don't forget to fill out that connection card online at branchlife.church and stay to the end for a special uh, message. We hope that you enjoyed today's study from the book of Proverbs. The Zacks. One day, making tracks in the prairie of Prax, came a north-going Zax and a south-going Zax. And it happened that both of them came to a place where they bumped. There they stood, foot to foot, face to face. Look here now, the north-going Zax said. I say, you are blocking my path. You are right in my way. I'm a north-going Zax, and I always go north. Get out of my way now and let me go forth. Who's in whose way, snapped the south-going Zax. I always go south, making south-going tracks, so you're in my way, and I ask you to move and let me go south in my south-going groove. Then the north-going Zax puffed his chest up with pride. I never, he said, take a step to one side, and I'll prove to you that I won't change my ways if I have to keep standing here 59 days. And I'll prove to you, yelled the south-going Zax, that I can stand here in the prairie of Prax for 59 years, for I live by a rule that I learned as a boy back in south-going school. Never budge, that's my rule. Never budge in the least, not an inch to the west, not an inch to the east. I'll stay here, not budging. I can and I will, if it makes you and me and the whole world stand still. Well. Of course, the world didn't stand still. The world grew. In a couple of years, the new highway came through, and they built it right over those two stubborn Zacks and left them there, standing unbudged in their tracks. Today, we're talking about the challenge of parenting. Today is a special day as we close out this series We want to pray as families, for families, as a church, for our church family, that God would help us all to choose the right path and to guide others to do the same. That's been the point of this entire series. And in the beginning of parenting, you do it, they help, you carry them. As years go by, it's a training process. You you do it, or excuse me, you do it, they watch. You carry them, you do it, they help, you grab them by the hand and you walk them down the path to safety. As they get into their teenage years, they do it and you help. You get to put your arms around your teens and direct them down the path to safety. And in the adult years, they must choose for themselves where to go and you get to build just a great friendship. They do it and you watch. But one of the most difficult parts of parenting, and that's why we have this bonus episode today, is when a child chooses to walk down the wrong path. When at some point they let go of the hand or they wiggle away from the arm or you're not there to direct them and they choose to go down the path that leads to the dangerous part of the city. As a parent, we've all recognized that this is a reality in a lot of our stories. Rarely does a family go through an entire parenting cycle without having at least one child go down the wrong path at some time. The Bible has kind of famously coined the phrase for this moment in time in this season of parenting called parenting a prodigal. 
There's a famous movie that's based on the same premise. And when an adult, when a child finally thinks that they're big enough and ready enough to make their own decisions, and then they have the power to do so, sometimes they'll go crazy with the choices that they make. My, one, my favorite actor of all time, and just, if you need to amen this, you can, is Tom Hanks. Like, he's just an amazing actor. I put him, like, on the top of my list. Like, that guy is an American treasure. So if Tom Hanks is in a movie, I'm watching it. Well, one of the movies that made him big was the movie Big, right? And, and here, there's a little kid in the house following his parents' rules who all of a sudden finds himself as an adult. Metaphorically, a lot of us as children have been there at some point. We woke up one day and we're like, I'm a grown-up now. I can do whatever I want. This literally happened in the movie, right? And so now Tom's got to figure out, or Big Tom or whatever the name is in the movie, how to live life. And he, he, has, he gets money, he has a great job, and he gets a penthouse, right? He gets a house in the, in the city, and he, his parents are worried sick about him. They have nowhere he is, but he's living the life. He's living a dream. And he pulls the trampoline in the middle of the living room of his house. Growing up, I always wanted a trampoline in the middle of the living room of the house. Thanks to that movie. Bunk beds, right, for everyone to, ha- to have over. Well, eventually, he was living the life, right, and doing his own thing, kind of like prodigal down his own path. But he realized that life is hard, and life ha- gets hard, and there's people out to get you, and bad things happen. And when he found himself out there all alone, away, he, was, he only wanted to go back to being a kid. He only wanted to go back to his parents. He only wanted to go back to where home was. And eventually, as the course of the movie runs through, he returns home. We call that the path of the prodigal. Today, we're going to talk about prodigals. We're going to talk about parenting and briefly share with you some scripture. And then for the rest of our time together, I'm going to invite us into a season of prayer and worship and communion. Church prayer, family prayer, personal prayer connected to communion. And I want us to wrap up this series and the thoughts of the series and just pause as we've given you all kinds of information to consider and to pray over over the last month and a half. If you're new with us today, I'm glad you're a part of this series. You can always catch up online at any time. But here's, as we go forward, with the, I want to again mention 12 Stone Church and just thank them for creating this series. They wrote, wrote a lot of this content over 10 years ago and they've given it to churches to use so thank you to 12 stone church and if this has been a blessing to you uh, just pray a prayer for 12 stone their church in atlanta doing great things for jesus as a way to say thank you here's the parenting principle that that they guide us to for parenting a prodigal and it's simply this we need to endure during the prodigal years endure temporary pain for long-term purpose we need to endure temporary pain for long-term purpose If any of you have had a a prodigal in your story, or maybe you've been a prodigal, you understand that in this process of walking away, there is pain. Often a prodigal through uh, the desires of their own hearts, right? We talked about how we all have a yurtle, the turtle in our hearts. We all have pride. We all have foolishness. And sometimes we allow that fleshly part of our lives to take over. And for whatever reason, sometimes uh, and for many reasons, a young man or a young adult or, or someone in their adult years will decide that they're going to walk away, that they're going to divide themselves from family, that they're going to div- divide themselves from their faith, and they're going to go into these prodigal years. That is a painful process. There's story after story after story in Scripture where there is the description of a prodigal. And, and the pain that that causes the families, the pain that that causes the, the people involved is, is heartbreaking. One of the first prodigals we read about is Lot. 
Lot leaves his family and he gets to choose wherever he's going to go. And God says, you know, don't go here, go, go here. But Lot decides to go over in his own way to the dangerous part of the city. And that was heartbreaking, right? That was heartbreaking for God. That was heartbreaking for his family, that the family was going to walk away in danger. Whether you've been a parent of a prodigal or you know someone who has, when you see someone walk away because of addiction, when you see someone walk away because of relationship problems, when you see someone walk away because of a faith crisis, when you see someone walk away because of a a bad response to a difficult storm, there's pain there. And in those prodigal years, The principle that we have to hold on to as parents is we need to endure temporary pain for a long-term purpose. We need to hold on to the promises of God. We need to hold on to the strength of God. We need to hold on to the path of God in our own lives, knowing that even though this period is painful, as I endure the pain, as I allow myself to, yes, grieve, to, yes, mourn, but to be strengthened in these moments that God has a greater purpose that can result from this pain. And a lot of us, when we have prodigals or we're dealing with someone that leaves the faith or they leave the home and the relationships are broken, we wrestle with three common parenting myths. We start to ask ourselves these questions. Where did I go wrong? What did I do? How could I have been better? We start to say to ourselves, I, I can run in and save the day. How am I going to fix this? How am I going to rescue my child? What, what must I do so that, so that this problem can be solved and, and I can come in and be the rescuer? Well, all of those are connected to parenting myths. And no matter if you're in a prodigal season or you're just parenting, here's three myths that we can believe. Myth number one, we can believe that perfect parenting makes perfect kids. We believe that perfect parenting makes perfect kids. Here's how this goes on the good side. If your kid turns out good, you know what you think? I must have been a good parent. Like, I was pretty amazing. Like, obviously, I did something well, and these kids came out right and good for me. Because we're believing the myth that perfect parents make perfect kids. The problem with that is when a child walks away or a child makes a mistake or a child chooses the wrong path, we can then say, it must be my fault because I must not have been a perfect parent. Perfect parents do not make perfect kids. Just ask God. And in just a moment, we're going to read a verse where God says, I, the Father, regularly have children who walk away from me. Talk about the ultimate perfect parent. Now, we're going to look at a principle behind this in a second, but let me just kind of phrase it this way. If I have a dog on a leash, and that dog is obeying me and going where I tell it to go, because it's on a leash, I am controlling that dog. That dog is completely under my control. And a lot of us think that parenting means always being in control of our kids. That's not parenting. Parenting is always being able to influence our kids. The moment I then take the dog off the leash and the dog has now freedom to choose, that dog will choose its own path. Do I, as the dog's owner, still have influence? Yes. Do I, dog, as the dog owner, still have the ability to, to help this creature make choices that will be pleasing to me? I do. I can offer it treats, I can, I can tempt it, I can train it, I can do all of those things. But ultimately, the, God, the dog has to choose, and when the dog chooses one way or the other, all I have is not control, I have 
influence. Influence is not the same as control. Yes, perfect parents can influence their kids in the right way. Yes, bad parents can influence their kids in the wrong way. And all of that can be a part of the equation about how they choose where they decide to go. However, influence and control are two different things. Why does God allow people to choose things that are dishonoring to him? Because God does not control us. God has given us free will. He chose to be our influencer, not our controller. Now the second myth is this, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. I've done this, and, and it, because they're choosing the wrong road, because they got involved in addiction, because they got involved in unhealthy relationships, that is somehow all my fault. No, nope, no. Nope. Kids have to make their own choices. And it's their responsibility to choose wisely. And you can say to a kid 137,000 times, look both ways before you cross the road. Listen, 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 daughter, I love you. Look at me in the eye. Look both ways before you cross the road, okay? You understand? Let me just, let me see you look both ways. And they go like this, and they go like that. Great. And then you're going to come to a road one day, and you're going to say, oh, look, a road. What should we do? And she's going to say, look both ways before you cross the road. Yeah, all right, let me see you do it. Look right, look left. And then inevitably, you're going to be inside looking out your window, and your guard is going to be out at that same road, and a big, shiny, bouncy ball is going to go flying across the road, and they're going to run across the road without looking both ways. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? It's the kid's fault. It's the kid's fault who got distracted by the shiny, bouncy ball. Well, I should have had a bigger fence, or we should have never bought the ball, or I shouldn't have let him have that neighbor, or da, da, da. Stop, right? You did it. You did what you were supposed to do. You taught him, you trained him, and they chose poorly. It's not always your fault. Can be, but it's not always your fault. Myth number three, I can rescue them. This might be one of the most powerful myths that we believe, that we as parents can rescue someone, that we can come in and as a knight in shining army, and if we just write the right email, or if we have the right meal, or we say the right thing, or we buy the right present, that somehow that will rescue them. I've learned one thing, if I've learned one thing about helping people, it's, it's this, you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. You can't rescue someone that doesn't want to rescue, be rescued. In my training as a lifeguard, and yes, I was a lifeguard growing up, they trained us to do self-defense when swimming up to someone who was drowning. Because not everyone, when they're drowning, sees the lifeguard and goes, you're here to rescue me, yay, rescue me now. And they just roll over and let you rescue. Sometimes, in the confusion, in the, in the, in the life life giving reaction to like, I've got to save myself, when you swim up to them, people who are drowning will attack you. They'll start punching you and kicking and start drowning you because they're trying to rescue themselves and they're still not submitting to the idea that they need to be rescued. You can't rescue someone who doesn't want to be rescued. And so you can't believe this myth that I'm going to rescue everyone. You see, here's some principles that, that are true for all of us everywhere based on these myths. Influence is not the same as control. Influence is not the same as control. You must choose God. You must come to the, 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 the conclusion that I need to be rescued in order to be rescued. You, kids have the capacity to make poor choices even with good parenting. 
Kids have the capacity to make good choices, even with, even with, they have the capacity to make bad choices with good parenting. They have the capacity to make good choices with bad parenting. It's their responsibility, and rescue is a choice that they must make themselves. And this is the story of the gospel. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all of us have made the choice to reject God. For all of us were born sinners. For all of us were born with this problem. And we choose ourselves over God. And if we do not come to this realization that we need to be rescued, then we will continue to make our choices, no matter how good God is, no matter how great God is, no matter how glorious his creation is, we will still choose our own way over and over and over and over again. And we are responsible for those choices, and those choices have eternal consequence. Yet God, in his love for us, sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But they must believe. They must choose to be rescued. We must come to the point where we say, I can't save myself. God, I need to be saved. Send in the lifeguard. Send in the blood of Jesus to cleanse my soul. Rescue me from this path of rebellion that I have found myself on. You see, the story of a prodigal is not about some kid somewhere who might make some choice to go down the wrong path. The story of the prodigal is about every single one of us in our spiritual journeys. All of us have been prodigal. All of us have walked away from God, and all of us need to be rescued. And God, the perfect parent, stands ready for all of us. So we can learn a couple of things about the prodigal today. In Psalm 107, verse 17, it says this. The path of the prodigal is this. Some became fools through their rebellious ways. And as a result, they suffered affliction because of their iniquities, because of their sin, because of their choices. According to Proverbs 107 and other places, here's the path of the prodigal. The path of the prodigal starts with this decision to go down the right path or the wrong path, and they make the decision to rebel. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to go down this wrong path. And they turn away from God. They go their own direction. There's a lot of reasons for this, but we call this, it's called in the book of Proverbs, foolishness or folly. And if you want to do a, a, a word study on foolishness in Proverbs, go through the book of Proverbs, write down every proverb that has the word fool or foolish in it, and you'll have a master class on what it means to rebel. And we often choose this rebellion. Now, this can happen personally for all of us with God at any moment. This can be a micro decision. This can be a massive life decision. Once we choose to run away from God, Proverbs 19.3 says that there's going to be results. And the results will include trouble or turmoil. There's a reason God calls sin, sin. And that's not to control you, it's to save you. There's a reason that there are certain bad choices because bad choices have bad consequences. And in the book of Matthew, God talks about the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the reason he was wise is because what the wise man knew is that someday a storm would come. But the foolish man built his house in the sand. He wanted to be closer to the ocean. But he never thought ahead that maybe there would be a storm that would come. But inevitably, in the path of every problem, there is a moment where trouble and turmoil comes. Where storms come. Where life gets hard. Where consequences meet reality. And if you've built your house on the sand, your house falls. You find yourself hurting. You find yourself down. You find yourself questioning. You find yourself realizing oh, maybe my path wasn't the best path to take. 
And in that moment, the prodigal now has another fork in the road. They can either choose to repent and run to salvation, or they can choose to repeat their rebellion and return to their destructive path. And this is the ongoing path of the prodigal. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2, God the Father says this, I have reared children and brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. I have reared children, and I brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. Today, if you're parenting a prodigal and you're holding on to the myth that it's my fault, that it's because I wasn't a perfect parent and I haven't been able to rescue them, maybe today I just want you to hear in God's voice that you do not need to carry that burden. That even God, the perfect father, has prodigal children. And then God, that father, gives us some great advice or gives us some great lessons that we can learn just from this one verse. And here's, here's some thoughts I want to encourage you with from just this verse. It says this, God understands a parent's pain. God understands a parent's pain. God, God knows how you feel when a child walks away. God also has children who rebel. He's been there. He's been through the process. He's seen it through over and over and over and over again. And every outcome, in every situation, whether the prodigal returns or whether the prodigal continues to rebel, God has been there, done that. God loves the prodigal. God desperately loves the children that walk away. And number four, God remembers the prodigal. He hasn't forgot your child. He hasn't forgot them no matter how far they've walked away from God. He remembers them. We see all this reinforced in this famous parable in Luke chapter 15. So if you have Luke chapter 15 in your Bibles, let's go there this morning. In Luke chapter 15, we read this story of the prodigal son. But you could, you could almost turn it around and say it's more about the prodigal's parent than it is about the son. There are two sides to the story, and I don't want to forsake a time I can't cover both of these sides, but there are two sons that this parent has to parent. One is the prodigal and one is the one who stays. The prodigal ultimately ends up being saved. The son who saved ultimately ends up being lost. And there's a powerful uh, reality and truth to that. And if you go on to uh, branchlife.church, Parenting Through Proverbs, I have a video that talks about the second part of this proverb. But let's together just look at the first part, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I'm in John. Chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And he said, Jesus, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of this, uh, the property coming to me. In other words, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Let me rephrase it. Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have your money. That's what he said. That's, that, that's the equivalent of that request. Now, if you are a parent and your child comes up to you and says, I wish you were dead, I want your money, how do you react to that, right? You smack them in the next Tuesday, yeah? And you say, I'm going to go change my will right now. It's all going to the donkey. Why? Because he's cooler than you are. Yeah, more dependable, less stubborn. Yeah, that's, that's what all of us would do, right? And we're going to be like, no, I'm not giving you your inheritance. Sit down. That's not what this father does. This father divides his property between his sons. That's radical. 
That's crazy, and that's a picture of God. When we reject God, when we say, God, I don't believe you're there, I don't believe you exist, I don't think you love me anymore, how could you let this happen to me? When we say that to God, we basically say, I wish you were dead, but I still want all the good stuff that you have to offer. And God says, okay, go your way. I don't have you on a leash, I'll let you go. And this parable, the father lets the son go. He says, uh, verse 13, not many days later, the younger son did what all younger sons with a lot of money would do. And they took all their journey to the far country. He squandered his pro- pro- property in reckless living. All right, he's living the life. And when he had spent everything, here's, here's now the trouble, a severe famine arose in the country. A storm came. And he wasn't prepared for it. And he began to be in need. So he went out and he hired himself. He went out to get a job as a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. And even longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, they still gave him nothing. When he came to himself, that's the third section. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's repentance. I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son or to be be treated as one of your higher servants. And he arose and he came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. This implies that he was searching for him. He was gazing for him to come back to the house. His father saw him, felt compassion on him, ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son. And the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it or the donkey that I was going to give in the will and let it, let's eat it. And let's celebrate, for my son was dead, and now he is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found, and they began to celebrate. Listen, listen, we all have reasons to celebrate things. In our small group, one of our guys had lost his job six months ago. This week, got a new job that pays more money, and he can work from home. Awesome? Like, God is good, right? We've been praying for that. My nephew, Jeremy Latchaw, got engaged yesterday, right? That's a reason to celebrate. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Can I just say, let's celebrate for a second? I got my Philly shirt on. I got Eagles, Wow Wow, Rookie, and Rocky and Water, right? This is me, Eagles all day, praying for the birds. I'm going to be cheering on them tonight. And then if they win, people are going to be climbing up poles. It's going to be, excuse me, let me rephrase that. When they win, people are going to be climbing up poles. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. But the best thing we can possibly celebrate is when someone who is lost is found, when someone who is dead comes to life, when someone who has walked away from God returns to God and repents and says, God, I'm not worthy, but I want you to save me. And God says, I desperately love you. Come home. And we get to say, thank you, God, for giving us the cross. Thank you for giving us love. Thank you for giving us forgiveness. And when we ask God to forgive us our sins, he faithfully and justly forgives us. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. And I can't think of a better thing to celebrate than someone coming to Christ or coming back to Christ. And that's why baptism days are a big day. 
at Branch Life Church. And if you've not been baptized, you better get your card out and say, I'm ready to get baptized. Why? Because I'm ready to party. It's better than any Super Bowl Sunday is a baptism Sunday, even when the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. And we're going to celebrate when people return to Jesus, and this is what God does. This is who he is. And he waits patiently with unwavering prayer for those kids to return where he offers unlimited forgiveness. And that's the example for us in the parenting season. Here's three keys to parenting in the prodigal years. Number one, you need to have unending patience. Unending patience, be patient. Sometimes the prodigal years are minutes, sometimes they're weeks, sometimes they're years, and sometimes they're a lifetime. Be patient. This father in Luke 15, 12 divided his property. He patiently let him go. Be patient. Number two, unwavering prayer. But while he was still standing a long way off, his father saw him. He was gazing. He was praying. He was thinking about this son. He was longing for his return. And though you may not be able to rescue, I know someone who can, right? And God is the God of uh, answered prayers. God is the one who we will lean on. God is the one who will have ultimate influence. And so I want to give unwavering prayer in these moments. And when you pray, you need to release that to God and let him carry that burden. You don't have to carry the burden of your prodigal. You can give that burden to God. And then you can do what God has called you to do with the open doors that you have in life. Unwavering prayer. And number three is this unconditional love. Pre-approved forgiveness no matter what. No matter what, and he felt compassion, he ran and embraced him, and he kissed him. You see, when our prodigals are on their journey, rebellion, results, repeat, or repentance, we must, as parents, surround them with unending patience, with unconditional love, and unwavering prayer. And if you ever want to see an amazing story of this, the pastor at the Brooklyn Tabernacle it's a church that's based on prayer, talks about how they, through a season of prayer, prayed for one of his kids who had become a prodigal and walked away from the family and walked away from the Lord. And during a prayer meeting, after years of praying, this, they prayed as a congregation, they prayed as a church over this one person. During that same prayer, off into the dangerous city, this young person came back to Christ. And she made her way back home, and she came home and uh, came into the house where the dad, the pastor, was waiting for her, and he received her with open arms. Surrounding your prodigal with unconditional love, with unending patience and unwavering prayer. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. The parenting principle for, for all of us is this. Develop short-term pain tolerance for long-term purpose. Develop short-term pain tolerance for long-term purpose. You don't want to change your good plans for tomorrow based on today's pain. You want to make your plans for tomorrow based on God's ultimate purpose for our lives. You see, your ability then to have unending patience, unwavering prayer, and unconditional love will help you meet this goal that we talked about last, last, year, last time, is to be the person your prodigal will come back to. I remember, I, I think back in the story where the prodigal son was with the pigs and he wasn't getting enough to eat. And he just thought of his dad. And when he thought of his dad, he said, my dad has servants. You know what that implies? <laughs> He's made some good choices. My dad's good with money. My dad's good with helping people. My dad has extra room to spare. 
my dad will do, and his dad was the type of person that he would want to go to. And what you can do while you're having unending patience, while you're praying, and while you're offering unconditional love, is you can be the best godly dad and mom that you could possibly be. Do your best to honor God. Do your best to love God. Do your best to serve God. Do your best to help others do the same. Put yourself in a position that is an example for others to follow so that when your prodigal reaches a time of trouble, they can come back to you. If your prodigal is struggling with faith, you need to strengthen your faith. And someday, someday your prodigal will be able to say, I'm in a faith crisis and I'm looking at my parents and I see how strong their faith is. I want to know that. I want to understand that. I want to lean into that. And you can apply that to every area of life. Be the person that God wants you to be so that you can be the person your prodigal will want to come back to. Not the person that's angry, that's anxious, that's fearful, that's fretting, that's stubborn, but the person that's offering these things. Now, how do we do that? How do we parent zero to five-year-olds? How do we parent toddlers? How do we parent... Teenagers, how do we parent adult children? How do we parent prodigals? Let me give you the moral of the story. Only with God's help. So what we want to do is spend the rest of our time worshiping God and praying together. Let's begin that with watching this short video. since we talked, I was, I was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. But I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> it's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon, and
thank you for uh, the fact that you're our, our perfect father and that uh, no matter our shortcomings that you're there helping and guiding us. God, we pray for our kids. I pray for my kids that are here with me today and uh, we pray that you would protect them, that they would grow to know and love you. For those of us that are parents that are growing and helping uh, kids that are becoming teenagers and going through elementary school and uh, advancing through the nursery. God, pray that you'd give us strength, that you'd help us uh, be a great example of your love and generosity and care. God, we pray that as a church that we would rally around one another and help each other as we go through the chaos <laughs> of uh, kids and sickness and drama and uh, all sorts of stuff. God, uh, help us in that. Help us to, to point them towards you, towards your son and your wisdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for being such a good, good father. We thank you for the family unit that you have created to, uh, to be able to be parents and raise young people up to live for you and to go out and impact the wor world for you, Lord. Just so thankful to see so many young families in this church right now, Lord, and we just uh, pray that you will continue to give the parents wisdom and guidance in the ways that they should go and that they should be able to look to your word and look for that wisdom and share that wisdom with their kids. Lord, we just thank you for the teens in this church and we pray for their parents as what a struggle it is nowadays to raise teens and to influence them and get them to go the right direction. There's so many things that pull at them. But Father, we are a uh, family here at Branch Life and in the Christian community, and there are always people to talk with. And we ask that uh, we as a family would rally around, rally around them at times when they need help. Father, we pray for those families that are trying to guide adult children. We just ask for wisdom and guidance. We, uh, that was a horrible video, Josh. <laughs> we pray for those that, uh, 
have children that walked away from you, Lord, we pray that they would have patience, that they would have unconditional love, that they would just seek you, Lord, and uh, just ask for your wisdom, and that they would, that you would bring other people to those children that can help lead them back to you, Lord, and share wisdom with you. We just thank you again for who you are and the way that you love us, no matter where we are at in our lives. And Father, I pray specifically for those of us here today that don't have the kids at home right now, that we get that opportunity, and God, would you give many of them to influence, to impact, to share, to live you before them, even from a distance. God, you haven't written them off. There's still great growth and maturity that they can have, and we also, Lord. Lord, help us to be that impact. Help us to be like that prodigal son's father looking down the road. And Father, we just don't think of our children, but for many of us here, we think of our grandchildren. Lord, allow us to not just have the joy of that gift of grandchildren, but to be able to be an influencer. An influencer that will help point them, those little ones, and even teenagers to Christ. Lord, may they hear and see Jesus in us. God, would you just use us in a very powerful way in this dark and terrible world that we're in right now with what's happening. Lord, help us to be that light of Christ in our families, in this church, and in this community. And I pray this in Christ's name. Hey guys, we hope that there's been something that encouraged you today, no matter where you are in your parenting process and during your spiritual journey. I want you to know that we are praying specifically for you. We care about you and we love you. And I'm glad that you've been a part of this conversation. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to fill out that connection card online. We'll be able to pray for you more specifically. If there's anything that we can do for you, that connection card is where to start. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.